I just remember vividly we were gathered for the baptism and there was 30 plus uh, people who were going to be baptized, the first baptism of the church, maybe 80 people uh, with guests and family. So the pastor preached the gospel again for the sake of everybody. And it kind of dawned on me, it made sense. And so from that time on, I remember, you know, we I prayed. A few minutes later, we were in the water. I came home and I felt frustrated. To be honest, the frustration was like, uh, I didn't know whether to cry or to laugh because all the goals that I had in life, that I wanted to kill the bullies that made my life miserable in uh, middle school. Uh, I mean, I, I cared about, you know, you know, getting advanced in this world. It just went away, and the only feelings that I had, I wanted to spend time with Christians, and I wanted to study the Bible. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Well, welcome to the Take and Read podcast. I am extremely excited today. Uh, my guest is a newer friend of mine, but uh, still a brother, as we are both in Christ. Uh, I have with me today Pastor Yevgeny of Moldova. Yes, it's, it is Yevgeny, but it's not of Moldova. It's uh, of Kishinev Bible Church in Moldova. So you're not the pastor of the entire nation of Moldova. No, I'm, no, I'm <laughs> not by far. Very good. All right. So uh, I met Pastor Yevgeny uh, a couple weeks ago, and maybe it's been a couple months. Uh, yeah, it was a, 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 about a month and a half. Yeah, a month and a half ago. And a mutual pastor friend here uh, where I live uh, introduced us and connected me with you. Uh, so my role here at the church, uh, I get to lead our church family in the area of missions. And so we do a lot of work internationally. And so it made sense for me to connect uh, with Pastor Yevgeny. And so we've got to talking and we just have a lot of commonality. There's a lot of things that we're passionate about together uh, and and that we share common uh, passions and interests. Uh, one of those is the Bible. Absolutely. And, and, and studying the scriptures, drawing closer to the Father, following Christ, and helping others do the same. Absolutely, yes, is sir. A, is a big passion for both of us. And so uh, he's here in, in town, and I thought, man, we're just having coffee, and I thought, we should go and uh, take and read together. And so we jumped into uh, the studio here, and we're firing it up. So uh, here's here's generally how it goes. Uh, so he is not a, he isn't, uh, he hasn't been, but will be an avid listener of the podcast and possibly watcher. Uh, but he's never seen it. He doesn't know what we do here. And so if you're tuning in and this is your first time, then this will be a good uh, kind of uh, catch up for you. But basically what we do at the Take and Read podcast is I and a guest or a friend, usually all my guests are friends, so I should just say my friends, uh, we will take a passage of scripture and it's not a passage that you know in advance and so it's not something that you've been able to prepare. I mean, both of us are seminary trained pastors. However, that doesn't give us some sort of secret knowledge. Uh, it doesn't give us some kind of secret bat phone to the creator. Um, and so we want to take and read the Bible and and as two men, as two followers in Christ, as two brothers, read the scriptures and try to, to live by it. Amen. Amen. So what I want to do first 
is as I, I do with, with uh, all my first-time guests, is I have you uh, just share a little bit about kind of who you are, what you do, and then I have a couple other questions for you. So just, yeah, jump in. All right. Well, um, my name is Yevgeny Yakovlevich Sologubenko, but um, I go uh, by either Eugene or Yevgeny for my American friends. If you can remember uh, Yevgeny, that's good. Yevgeny. Um, I am the result of American missionary work uh, in uh, the beginning of 90s uh, when American missionaries came to our country. I was a 16-year-old uh, drunkard uh, hanging out in the bars of the downtown city of Kishino. And the long story short, uh, I came to church to check out Americans. I didn't speak any English. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when I uh, came to church, I was looking at Americans. I wanted to get uh, a date with a pastor's daughter, and I came to beat up a guy at the church. But <laughs> So wait a minute. Your first introduction was, I want to go see these Americans in person just because you hadn't seen Americans? Never. Okay, so you wanted to see these Westerners, and then you wanted to date the pastor's daughter. Yeah. And you ended up fighting a guy your Uh, first time at church. Yeah. All right, so for anybody out there that's thinking, hey, I want to go check out church, it probably can't go any worse than that, so you might as well give it a shot. Yeah, well, the way I would put it, uh, God got me before I got the guy. So uh, the long story short um, is... uh, Few few years later, um, I was already a follower of Jesus. Uh, I went to Bible school. Uh, I joined uh, uh, five years later the pastor as an associate pastor at the church. And then in 2002, when he went back to U.S., um, um, I took on a role uh, of a leadership in the church. And since 2004, I've been the teaching pastor of the church and uh, ended up pastoring that very church where I came to take care of a guy. And uh, I also am the president of uh, the seminary called Moldova Bible Seminary. So we've been uh, focused on taking the gospel to the places where Western church can't. And so that's our passion is uh, recruiting Moldovans, training them, sharing the gospel with them, uh, discipling them, and then sending them uh, to the places, mostly in former Soviet Union, but now to Asia and uh, actually to Western Europe these days. All right. Well, I'll put a link uh, in the podcast description, so you should be able to find a link down there uh, that uh, kind of links to his ministry and ways that you can follow him and, and check out what he's doing. Uh, so grateful for you to be here today. Uh, what I would love to know is, in that transition, what was your experience like with the Bible itself? When you first became a believer, or maybe even before that, what can you remember as your first experiences or exposure to the Bible, and what was that like, and then how has that developed over time? Like, now, what does your time in the Bible look like? Well, originally, when I came uh, to the church, I was lured, uh, I was attracted by the way Christians treated me. So the way I would describe it is that I became a Christian, so just like I want to be one of those people and you know of course they'll show me some passages from the Bible they didn't make sense so uh, I came up to the pastor asked him to like describe to me what does that mean that you have to give away your coat when somebody's trying to take away your shirt you know that some you know when Jesus is is talking to his disciples and the whole idea was uh, I just don't understand that in our culture is uh, you know coat is expensive and you beat people up if they try to take away your coat (laughs) but then uh you know the christians more you know showed that they were they didn't they weren't scared of me uh they didn't care uh about you know things i could do uh money i had or uh you know people i knew in, in the criminal world they cared to know me as a human being uh but i still was not probably a christian uh a follower of jesus uh, but uh february 20th 1994 
I just remember vividly we were gathered for the baptism and there was 30 plus uh, people who were going to be baptized, the first baptism of the church, maybe 80 people uh, with guests and family. So the pastor preached the gospel again for the sake of everybody. And it kind of dawned on me, it made sense. And so from that time on, I remember, you know, we I prayed. A few minutes later, we were in the water. I came home and I felt frustrated. To be honest, the frustration was like, uh, I didn't know whether to cry or to laugh because all the goals that I had in life, that I wanted to kill the bullies that made my life miserable in uh, middle school. Uh, I mean, I, I cared about, you know, you know, getting advanced in this world. It just went away, and the only feelings that I had, I wanted to spend time with Christians, and I wanted to study the Bible. And it started making sense to me. Uh, it's one of the first things I remember the pastor shared. It's one of the, I guess, the presuppositions I've always lived with. God gave his word for us to understand it. He didn't hide it from us. He didn't give it to us to decode, but he gave it to us to understand and to live by. Amen. And so from that time on, that's how it started basically rolling. Okay, so... Today, what does your time in the Bible look like or consist of? Is it a daily activity? If it is, does it? Do you try, you know, uh, to keep it at the same time of day? Do you find a, something generally more helpful than another? Uh, what does that actual time consist of? Does it involve prayer, reading? Do you have a certain place in your house that you do it, or at the office? Is there a certain like coffee cup that you have? Do you have coffee? We've had other episodes where an individual brushes his teeth before he drinks his coffee first thing in the morning. That is not something that is I'm aware of, but I've gotten a lot of comments over the last several uh, episodes that people also do this. So uh, maybe that's maybe you're a pre-coffee brusher. Anyway, all of those things describe for me what your time in the word looks like. All right. Well, I'm definitely a post-coffee brusher. <laughs> I, I, the coffee doesn't taste as good to me, so I guess I would be in the camp of people. Uh, I do have I do have a coffee in the morning, but so you know, obviously, I have uh, I'm I'm in the camp of those people who for years started reading their Bible in January and sort of got to the book of uh, Numbers and sort of gave up. And so uh, for years, I didn't read the Bible through. I mean, I've read different portions, obviously read the New Testament through. But for the last, I would say, four years, maybe five years, um, I made it a point that my Bible time is going to consist of two things. Uh, I started running uh, when I turned 40, and I decided that's that's something I want to do in order to keep the weight off. Uh, And I also found that... When I run, I actually started listening to the Bible, and it allows me to look at the Bible books from the bird's eye view. Hmm. So when I run, I just let you know, and and it's one of those things, you know, this Bible app. They'll they'll play different versions. So you got the audio Bible. I got an audio Bible. You're just rocking that while and you I'm, run. Yeah, and I'm running, and I may be reading like chapter by chapter by chapter. I mean, if it's a long run, I mean, it it may be you know reading through the whole very long book of the Bible. Wow, yeah. Uh, and you know, when you're running for a couple hours, that's you know, I'm I'm kind of a boring person to myself <laughs> in a sense of my thoughts are beginning beginning to like bore me. So I I found that audio Bible helps me but it allowed me to look at these passages from bird's eye view to hear the repetitions but then also as i run uh I, I make note like if i heard a passage that is really interesting i would make a note i would highlight it and then i would go back and so in the mornings what happens is that I, i'm i'm a night 
type of a person. So when I wake yeah. up in the morning, I sort of drag myself into the kitchen while my wife is still asleep. Uh, in our tradition in home, I actually cook the breakfast. Uh, okay. And so I do go and I make that one cup of coffee. And I have to confess, I first have to, you know, stick an earphone in my ear and listen to some news while I'm kind of probably first 10 minutes of the morning. It just, I'm not thinking straight. I'm just kind of trying to get, right. get the getting day going. the engine started. But before I do cook breakfast, it gets to a point where I'm, I'm going to go back and I'm going to go and look at some of these highlights. And I, I just start thinking about it, you know, maybe a passage. I, I start actually looking up in different translations, maybe in the original. Uh, and that is outside of me preparing sermons every Sunday. So in a sense, uh, I try to see the Bible from the bird's eye view, and I'm trying to catch certain passages that pop up at me for this time of a life. To, uh, you know, because, you know, I've read the Bible since, you know, through the Bible in, in maybe five, six different translations for the last five, six years. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to also understand, you know, what does God trying to, to speak to me through a specific passage? And then if this passage pops up, then I'm, I'm basically uh, contemplating on it. It may be actually, I may be going to it for the, for the whole week sometimes. And sometimes it's, you know, in, in, in a number of them. All right. That is, that's cool. You're, you're our first guest that, uh, that kind of takes in the audio Bible on the regular. Mm-hmm. and kind of does it during an activity because your mind's got to go somewhere while you're running and you can either think about the pain of running how much you either enjoy or dislike what you're doing um, but to occupy your mind with God's word that's that's cool and, I and, like and that it helps it helps uh, you know the, the after about you know the you know eighth or ninth kilometer when you're thinking you know why am i doing this uh and you know you two things you remember the motivation is like well i'll feel good whenever i complete the run (laughs) but then also sometimes you get so involved that you you even forget you're running you just keep on going you know your heart is going at a steady pace and you're just immersed in the word of god and in in the story or in just a thought about something you just heard and it's just uh you know sometimes i have to go back and like re-listen to the chapter just because you know, you, you hear a passage and it just begins to yeah. work in your yeah. mind. And you your heart, meditate so. on it. And Absolutely, yeah, replay yes. It. Uh, you mentioned that you have read it through in multiple translations. Yes. What translation or language do you tend to uh, take in the Bible predominantly? Uh, in the recent days, I, especially in the last five years, uh, we... We only had one good translation in Russian, which was the synodal translation with a lot of old language. And so as a church, we started using the new translation in Russian language. So I've uh, basically made it a point in order to familiarize myself with that so it wouldn't sound strange. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I usually will take it in in this new translation. And that's it's it's called new translation. It's kind of, you know, I'm used to it uh, by by, uh, by now. But I do like uh, going back to some English translations, especially if I compare mm. uh, the meaning of a certain passage or the, what, is, what, what is the word that is being used or why did the translator translate it in a certain way. I'd go to uh, New American Standby Bible in, U, uh, in English or uh, uh, English Standard Version, ESV. So- when the when the Americans came, right, those missionaries that you first encountered, were they preaching, or was the Bible in English, or yes. was it a Russian translation? Well, it was an English Bible. They uh, used uh, Ryrie Study Bible, okay. uh, and then we had the Russian version, uh, which was the synodal translation. But the synodal translation is really sounding more like 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 a King James version to okay. the ear. Yeah, and so we always liked to go and trying to understand the Bible uh, in English or the, the way it was explained to us. It made much more sense because it was in a contemporary language. 
And then when you're doing your seminary work, uh, is it you're in the Greek, you're in the Hebrew, you're studying those languages as well? Yes. So in the, in, in the school, it's, uh, you know, I did my undergrad and in the undergrads, uh, we took the class called hermeneutics. It came out of Columbia International University. Hermeneutics is a fancy word for how to study the scriptures. Yeah. The way I describe it to people like today, the churches say it's a common sense approach to the Bible. Like you read it as just, just use your common sense. And, you know, if it's a story, you know, think it's a story. It's not prescription to go and do something. Okay. Yeah. You know, it, if it's a prescriptive, it's you know, don't, don't pass by it because it's kind of like, Hey, you got to go and do it. Right. That's so, so helpful. Yeah. So, uh, but, 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 but as, as a foundation of that, to me, was they taught us how to look at look up the word in in a dictionary and see what is the Greek word and what how can this word be translated in in other options right, right. and so when I do my study I try to go and look in, uh, into some of these words but the new translations they actually have done a really good job translating it very close to the original so I'm not that I'm as I prepare sermons I usually go back and check it out but in my daily devotions I don't go to the Greek and Hebrew but I, but but the translations if I compare two or three um, that 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 begins to you know make much more sense and if if I dig into the word usually it's pretty much what I, what I thought okay so uh, you obviously preach when you're in Moldova in what language? I preach in Russian. Russian. Uh, when you come to the states, are you invited to preach? Uh, yes, I uh, basically when I travel, I spend two three Sundays uh, every trip here and in, uh, in the U.S. and I preach in uh, various churches. Yes, absolutely. Do you preach in English? Yes, I do. Okay, so you don't have a translator? No, I do not. Okay, and so is this like I'm just fascinated by accents. Okay, and so is this like. Can you turn on like a real kind of stereotypical Hollywood Russian accent for us? Uh, when I started to learn English for the first time, <laughs> I did not speak yeah. English very good, and so I didn't pronounce the th sounds and the, and the, and then I start. I, I, but because I, I do have a musical ear, I started mimicking people, and then I mimicked Americans and I mimicked Danish. Uh, there was a uh, there was a Danish uh, Pentecostal mission that came through town, and I liked the girl there, so I spent maybe like four or five months hanging out with them, and nobody could understand what I was saying because I mimicked the Danish accent. Oh wow! So it's just. Uh, it's a blessing and a cur curse in the words of Andrew, Adrian Monk. There you go. That's awesome. Well, if you like the uh, the very Russian-sounding Yevgeny, then uh, make a comment. Uh, but we're going to jump into the, the reading portion. We're going to take and we're going to read. We're going to wrestle with what does it say? Then we're going to try to understand what, if we know what it says, then what does it mean? And then finally, so What? What, right. do, what do we do about it? How do we respond to that if that's if we believe this to be the word of God? And I've, I'm going to break tradition. Normally, I read the scripture, but it's such a treat to have you here. It'd be fun for you to read it, obviously, in English so we can understand. But as we go through, if you're jumping between a Russian, Russian translation and the English translation, feel free. Um, yeah, whatever okay. you're most comfortable I, I can with. Do that. I'm intrigued about the passage. I, I, you know, I, I really don't know what we're reading, so it would be great. <laughs> okay, so open up uh, or scroll in your Bible to uh, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, for those of you tuning in, just a reminder, we're in the Gospel of Mark. We're making our way very slowly through it, and we remember that Mark is, is likely a product of the preaching of Peter. Uh, it, it is the earliest account we have of the ministry and the life of Jesus. And Mark, his goal is to portray 
the life of Jesus so that people truly understand and believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, uh, the one sent from God. And so as, as we go through this, there's going to be things that he includes because he's led by the Spirit trying to give a, a, an account of who Jesus is and why people can have confidence that he is, in fact, the Son of God. And so we'll be in uh, Mark chapter 1. We're going to just take a small little passage here uh, towards the end of the gospel uh, or the first chapter, verse 35. We're just going to look at this short section, 35 through 39. So we are in Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. If you'll go ahead and read, Pastor. Well, absolutely, yes. Uh, So, um, uh, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, He departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him, and they said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next town, that I may preach there also. And that is why I came out. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Okay, so this is obviously a continuation of his ministry. Uh, we know from the previous section that he, uh, late into the evening, he had been um, healing people. They were bringing the sick, uh, demon-possessed, uh, all those that were oppressed by demons, they were bringing him, and he spent that evening performing these miracles, exercising his authority over the, the sickness and the, uh, the oppression. Uh, sometimes those are related, the sickness th- that was caused by the demonic oppression. And then it says that he rises very early. So first off, when we look at this text, we want to understand what is it saying? Uh, it, are there any words, kind of things that stick out to you as you kind of look at this passage? W- what do we have here? What's the scene? What's it saying? So we, he's rising very early in the morning. Yeah, you know, it's. I think it's like this. I guess a pattern that we see that you know Jesus goes away from the crowd and goes away from the disciples, right? So like they're searching for him. That that that's kind of an interesting thing. This he goes on to pray, and he does it on his own, like away even from the closest uh, who are with him. So that kind of jumps out, uh, you know, right away for me. That that you know, it's obviously, you know. If, if we think through, you know, Jesus's beginning of ministry was that he went out to the desert uh, and it was kind of a social fast. Uh, you know, there was a f- physical fast from the food, but there was also this right. social uh, distancing from people. He was isolated. He was he was alone. He was in solitude. And and yeah, he wasn't around other people. So there he when he starts his ministry, he's that way. He's he's alone. And then what you're pointing out here is he wakes early in the morning and it's still dark, so the sun hasn't risen, and he does that same thing. He departs and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So he communes with the Father by himself first thing in the morning after probably what was a long night and probably very tiring. Well, it's kind of interesting that he's obviously, you know, spent time doing all these things, you know, working for very hard for the pre- on the previous day. You know, if I think of myself, you know, when I work really hard, I want to sleep in the next day. Yeah, I mean, I want to, you know, I want, I want to have that option. And yet uh, to him, there's, I guess, an importance of connection with the father to where he wakes up early while it's still dark. I think it's kind of, you know, m- you know, points out to the fact that he did need to recharge the batteries, not just the physical batteries of getting a good sleep, but that communi- communi- communion with God meant, uh, 
an important it played an important role in his life that it was an aspect of restoration yes that there was a sense that not just the physical rest needed when you go to sleep but for him there was a being alone with the father and communion with god that was restorative absolutely that's a good good thing to point out um okay and it says simon we also know uh, to be peter and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him everyone's looking for you so clearly there's this everyone's wondering where'd he go what happened so he he's drawn away he's been found and he said to them let us go to the next towns that i may preach there also for that is why i came out uh anything you notice just about his focus or you know because like you said if i've spent a really hard day and and i'm exhausted i'll probably want to take a day off well, exactly, absolutely. You know, I've been on the road uh, for about three weeks now, okay. and so, uh, but there's also a sense of uh, reason. So, you know, I, you know, traveling to the United States, you know, I speak in churches, I meet with people, um, you know, I make connections, and I can, I can basically share. I have a sense of purpose, and I know, like, I've spent all this money to travel across the ocean. I feel guilty if I take a day off. I know mm. there is a very distinct calling. Uh, I mean, it's necessary to get rest, but I pretty much take it only whenever I. You know, because of that sense of feeling, the sense of responsibility for the people back home, for the churches that we're planting, for, you know, all, all the things that will happen as a result of this trip. So Jesus has an obvious sense of calling, you know, in his response, it's like, uh, this is why I, I came out. You know, this is why he came to this earth. This is the this is his earthly ministry. And we see that he's going and finding times to recharge, you know, overnight with the father. But yet whenever he's faced with the fact Hey, they're looking for you. It's like, all right, I'm I'm ready to go. Let's go out. Let's go visit all the cities because this is exactly why I came out. You know, it's it, it kind of go. You know, it applies basically as I, as I'm reading this. It applies to my life as right. you know. I get you know I, I come into town to have a cup of coffee and to kind of go on to uh, you know further down the highway. And then uh, you know my brother says, hey, you know uh, we got a podcast here, a podcast here. You know, uh, let, let let's talk about the Word of God. And I'm like, hey, this is why I came out here. You know, I'm mm. let, let's have a conversation. Let's do this. So Amen. it's very very literal application here. It's a little bit Amen. early, but. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Um, also, he, he's, he says, I, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. So the, the indication is that he came to preach. He needs to go about expressing. Preaching here, the content of his preaching, is going to be the gospel. It's going to be the good news. Uh, we see reference to that in earlier in this chapter in verses 14 and 15. Where he says he it says that he proclaimed the gospel of God. So he went into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, and then it tells us the content of that gospel. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So he came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Yeah, and you know when you're thinking like we're we are almost uh, you know facing Christmas right now, right? And the and the message of Christmas is God with us. You know, it's it, it was people were expecting the coming of the Messiah pretty much from the first promise in the book of Genesis that there's going to be that redeemer. That's right. the, the and so Jesus he sees this is the reason why he came. He is the Emmanuel, God with us, right? And his desire is to go and tell them that 
this is this this is this is the gospel and then you know all this uh, you know casting out demons and doing the healings that's basic confirmation that you see what's going on this is literally god with us that's not just the words but it's also the actions of the messiah that are a proof of what he you know he he's doing what he has been prophesied to do amen amen uh, and so he went out, went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And we've already seen an episode where he is in a synagogue. And when he first does that, that exorcism or casts out the first demon, it happens to be in a synagogue, a, a religious institution, which is interesting. And we see there him exercising his authority. Uh, but he's it's interesting and and it makes me remember that incident uh in verses 21 uh, through 28 where they recognize his teaching is different they it's it's a teaching of authority unlike the scribes that somehow his teaching is his own whereas the scribes are just reproducing or repeating from the law or translating it or trying to interpret it Whereas Jesus is teaching from his own self, like he is the teaching. And then he demonstrates the authority by casting out demons, saying, I not only teach with authority, but I have authority. And so we see that that same practice here, or what he's ex- expressing, is that he's he's come to preach. That's what he needs to be about. And that's going to involve, as he goes into synagogue and preaches, he's also going to demonstrate his authority that it's not just that he teaches with authority, but he also exercises that authority over this realm and the supernatural realm. Um, in terms of, of how this might land for Christians in Moldova, are there things here that stick out or that might be a challenge for believers there? Uh, in a sense, there, there there's not that big of a challenge. Uh, I, I think that uh, throughout Christianity, we see... Uh, this fascination, uh, I think, with the supernatural. And sometimes we, uh, I, I guess the challenge uh, anywhere else, uh, and I'm not sure how much of it is here in the U.S., but people almost want to see some kind of like a supernatural confirmation, uh, you know, where we're reading, reading the scripture and we're like, oh, there's demons. You know, we, we always have to kind of remember that uh, there, there, there's, there's, there, there was a prophecy uh, that uh, there's going to be a demonic activity at the, at the time of the coming of the Messiah. And that demonic activity was kind of coming up uh, just so that the Messiah can pretty much show his authority. But, you know, we are 2000 years later, almost uh, ready to celebrate 2000 years of the day of Pentecost. And yet at the same time, the, the, the message of the gospel hasn't changed, but it doesn't necessarily mean, because we also have to keep in mind, as, as we're reading Mark, this is description, this is the gospel, it's an account, and the account, like you, you, you pointed out very early on, of what Mark is trying to communicate a message. Jesus is that Messiah who has been promised. He, he, he is the one that is here to usher this kingdom. And the challenge for the Moldovans would probably be for and for for people you know throughout Central Asia, Europe, is that do we have to also as we're hearing the gospel, you know, are, are we going to be seeing this demonic activity? Am I supposed to be scared? And I think it's important for us to realize 
that you know g you know the closeness with jesus uh was what what, what is allowing the, the the disciples to see that but it doesn't necessarily have to demonstrate in our lives so as, as i would be teaching that passage i would point something like that out because you know there is that tendency yeah, of like finding so stuff like that you know and or having that not. expectation that if i'm not experiencing the supernatural activity did it really happen yes am i really understanding the gospel am i really in christ I think that's such a great point. And I think that um, as you were talking, just kind of had this picture that if Jesus is ushering in this kingdom, that means there's another kingdom in place, another authority or rule. And so it's natural that as a new authority makes its presence known, it's going to bump up against what what is in place at the time. And there's there's gonna be uh, a, a face off, right? And so as he continues to preach the kingdom of God and demonstrate the authority that he is the king of that kingdom, he's gonna come up against those in opposition to that kingdom, and he's going to then overthrow or demonstrate his power over them the more and more he comes into contact with them. So uh, yeah, I mean we would we would expect that in any human circumstance, right? If there is a nation that's being invaded, there's gonna be conflict. And so, yeah. And, and like you pointed out, it's in a religious synagogue, right? And it says he went, and again, he says, he went to the synagogues and the demons were cast out there again throughout Galilee. And so what Mark is basically, and you know, yeah. uh, there is, has also been, uh, I guess, supposed by the biblical scholars that the gospel of Mark, because of its shortness, because of the way it's written, it's communicating to somebody with a maybe a Roman mindset, yeah. maybe a Roman background. Right. And he'll, so they understand Roman military. They understand Roman army. They understand the legions that are taking over the known world. And so the fact that the devil is fleeing or the demons are fleeing as the king of kings is coming, the Messiah, promised Messiah, that's a kind of a very clear picture of the authority of Jesus uh, and then, you know, his influence. That's so good. I love that insight. I love that insight. Uh, I want to I want to come back now. Okay, we've. I think we understand what it's saying here. If you were to come back and kind of identify, here's what I think, why did Mark include this passage in the text uh, so why do we have it what what does he want us to walk away with well uh, one of the things i kind of looked back into the russian uh version of this uh, of this passage and uh, you know in verse uh, 36 when it says in english here in esv uh in english standard version simon and those who were with him searched for him and it's kind of like you know the, to me the search uh, almost has that feeling of like you know he went and googled uh, and uh, you know, like because <laughs> yeah. we're saying going going to search engine in Russian, the word that's uh, used is actually they they were urgently looking for him, like they were running around. Uh, it says they the, the word brosilis. It's like uh, a description of some something like you've got a child and you oh, think the yeah. child is next to you and uh, then suddenly you turn around and the child is not there and so you start running around the crowd looking like you know calling You're out the frantic. name. You're, You're yeah, there's, frant a, there's a panic. There's yes. a fear involved, like what what happened? Yeah, uh -oh. so so as the disciples wake up, Jesus is not there, and yet the people are like, well, where is this Jesus? It, 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 the, the idea is that there's this urgency and the, and, and the need to be closer to Jesus. So as I'm thinking about the reaction of the disciples, it sort of pops up to me that, you know, the idea is that are we, when, when I'm, uh, 
you know, with with my relationship with God, am I just matter of factish? Am I just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna? It's casual. Yeah, like, casual. I'll get around to it. Yeah, I'll Google it whenever I get to it, right? Or am I really searching out for that moment in the mornings with Him? Am I really searching out for the the, the divine appointments? Am I really keeping an eye out, and, and am I really open to God speaking into my life? Yeah. Do I have a sense of urgency when I don't feel close to God or when I, yeah, um, I mean, it's it's such an interesting way to look at it. I think that's so helpful that when a, a parent, if you've ever been in a crowded place or you've been kind of out in public uh, and you can't, you can't find your child, there is nothing that you won't do. There's no resource you won't expend in order to find that child. And you, and then once you lay eyes on them, you hold them close. And I think, man, that's such a powerful insight, and I'm so grateful for that. Because I can admit there are times all the time in the week where I'm very casual in my walk and relationship and my pursuit of the Lord, and I don't have that fervency. I don't have that... Um, intensity towards being with him not like not like he's like i can't find him but that that desire to be with him i think is is translated here that i, I want i want that time well and that goes back to my first experience when i remember you know that change of life and you know i come home and things no longer matter like you know the, the things like you know you know Within whatever in the gang culture, there were important things. They no longer mattered. Like revenge, no longer mattered. Uh, what other people think of me no longer mattered. I wanted to spend time with Christians, and I wanted to understand the Word of God. I was I was taking it in. That's what we sometimes describe as that first love. Right. And that's basically to me here. I see that the, this is the first chapter. They're seeing things they've never seen before. They can't get enough of it. People are hearing about the stuff happening there. They can't get enough of it. And sometimes we have that tendency of like, okay, we got used to it. It's chapter eight, it's chapter nine, right. you know? So yeah. do we have do we have that sense of urgency in our relationship with Jesus on daily basis? Yeah, in that, that same sense that we had when it was new. Yes. And that excitement and that joy and that I can't get enough. Um, man, that's so good. That's so good. And I... I think there's I think there's that and there's this there is this demonstration by Jesus at the beginning in verse 35 of rest right that waking early in the morning right and there's there's this indication that yes he probably got some rest but it probably wasn't enough physical rest that we might it probably wasn't a solid 8 hours or something but He's, he's into the night, he's healing, and he's, he's ministering to people. He wakes up early before the sun in order to find rest in the Lord. And that for him, that was not just an add-on, but an essential. It was necessary for him. Mm -hmm. And so I take that as there are going to be times in my life where I think other things will grant me rest, or I can take a break from from my pursuit of the Lord because I just I just need a break. I've, I've done good, but I want to get to the point where I truly believe and feel the effects when I'm not with the Lord that all I want to do is get back so that I can truly experience the rest that comes from being with Him and putting other things aside because 
and fighting for that time. If that means I wake up earlier because I've got a busy day, I want I want to do that because I, I want to be convinced that that time is the most meaningful rest I can get. Yeah, absolutely. So um, a couple of, yeah, really good takeaways. Uh, and I think the kind of so what for me is I, I do, I'm an early riser, I get up early, but I'll admit that there, I allow things in the morning to shorten or minimize the time that I spend with the Lord. Uh, and that can be good things. Sometimes my kids will wake up earlier than normal, and so wanting to spend time with them. Most of the time, it's me taking an opportunity with an email or a text, or I want to check the weather or the news. Uh, sometimes social media lures me in. And I think as I read this today, it's reminding me and challenging me again to not try to find rest or satisfaction in, in other things. Not that those things are bad in and of themselves, but to find my ultimate rest and satisfaction every day in him and to fight for that time. I think that's a good takeaway. And that sense of urgency that you spoke of that I want to have that same excitement and newness and that intensity of fighting for that time with him and, and to be with him. Yeah. What are your takeaways? Uh, well, same, same, same thing. Absolutely. It's the whole idea of uh, what you said, but there's, there's also one thing that I've kind of noticed here is, you know, he gets up and he goes on to spend that time, but nowhere here do you see him scolding the disciples mm. for like, oh, why didn't you get up? You know, why yeah. didn't you, you know, why, why didn't you go and do your morning prayers? I think it's just that understanding of that this is my relationship with God yeah. and this is my relationship with the Father. And in addition to everything that you said, I would probably say that, you know, being in peace with, you know, my walk with the Lord. And, uh, you know, not, I'm not going to look at the others and say, hey, they are spending more time with the Lord or they're yeah. spending less time with the Lord. It's really about me and that 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 intimacy with god and, and as they see that when we're looking at the disciples they've seen it because they've mentioned it numerous times over and over they yeah. were so they were so amazed at it but even sometimes you know even to the times of jesus's uh you know garden of garden of gethsemane you know he was with the father and they were still acting the same way they yeah. are in the first chapter of, and uh, falling asleep of and, mark and they're yeah. falling asleep and it's a thing that you know fighting that right time uh, you know, so so I'll, I'll confess, like even though because I'm a night person, I need that time in the morning to like read the news because I know it's like it's not going to land on any yeah, fertile ground. Yeah, that's such a good point. You know, I, you know, it's like whatever comes in, just what comes out of one ear, it comes out of another until I've got that one good cup of coffee, until my brain woke up. And that's when I'm ready to, okay, I'm going to roll into the day. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to think about it. And as I'm cooking breakfast, I'm continuing to contemplate about that. So it's, you know, finding that good time in order to yeah. you know but but like pursue that make make sure that this is it's not going to happen naturally uh you know we are living in time and space and our minds drift so being intentional i, I think that would be my take and not away. motivated by fear or guilt or shame like oh, i should do that more or man other people are doing it or in order to be a good christian i need to no not to be motivated by some sense of lack but to be motivated by a desire for more. And, and that's basically we're living out of like, you know, you know, 
Paul was talking about this. He says, we're a new creation. All things have yeah. passed away. All things are new. So for me as a new creation, as somebody who's been uh, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, somebody who has the Holy Spirit living in me, it's natural for me to want to spend that time. You know, this is this is a little bit different. And so just living out of that uh, yeah. love that God has given me. Absolutely. Well, I think we're going to, on that note, I think that was just a rich time in the Word. Uh, Pastor Yevgeny, such a joy, such a joy to to get to be your friend and uh, to get to share some time in the Word today. Uh, it was a real pleasure to have you. Well, thank you for and, the opportunity uh, and invitation. Maybe next time we can uh, broadcast live from Moldova. And that would be cool. We can try to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Going to well, have to account for the eight-hour time difference. <laughs> yeah, it may not be morning uh, when I take in my word at that point. But uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, if you have thoughts, questions, please leave them in the comments. Uh, be sure to subscribe, like, uh, rate this podcast. It helps other people find it. Uh, if there's people you know that can benefit from this conversation and others, please share this with folks. Uh, if you have questions for myself or Pastor Yevgeny, you can email takeandreadpodcast at gmail.com. I love getting emails from you guys, and uh, I try to respond to all of them. Uh, so please, yeah, send in your email, comments, questions, that kind of thing. And I'm also excited uh, because uh, the, the the production of this podcast, it, it, it takes some effort. And I've, I've got a really a great partner that, that he is helping to produce this. And, and so the production, if you like that, then give a shout out uh, to Alex. Uh, he's helping me produce this thing. But I'm also excited because we have a, a, a partner. We're the official coffee of the Take and Read post- podcast is uh, 22 Beans. And so you can go to 22beans.com and uh, it's a, a roaster. Uh, Brad and, and the folks at 22 Beans have said that they want to help um, kind of cover the production costs of, of this podcast. So uh, go visit them. If you want 10% off, you can put in a coupon code Take and Read, uh, or maybe the Take and Read podcast. I think it's Take and Read. Anyway, you can look down in the, the comment or the uh, description of the podcast here. I'll have that coupon code. But uh, go. That is my preferred coffee when I take and read in the morning um, before I brush my teeth. I'm drinking the Shepherd's Roast. It's my particular favorite. So check out 22 Beans Coffee and uh, enjoy their coffee. So again, thank you, brother. And uh, as you go from here, take and read. Mm -hmm.